There's one thing I want you to do for me. What? Come here. Win. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Tim Gaither Podcast. This is episode 7. Uh, John and I were talking. It, it might be 8 or 9, but we're going with 7. There might be some on YouTube that aren't on everything else. But we are up and running, buddy. We are on Stitcher, iTunes. Um, what are the other ones? <laughs> uh, th- those are really the main the main two, I feel like. Stitcher, iTunes, there's Google Play, and then... Um, so SoundCloud's not SoundCloud. a separate... Well, SoundCloud, yeah. SoundCloud's the main one. Okay. The original. So maybe you're, you're probably listening to this on SoundCloud unless you found one of the links. And, you know, those... I like Stitcher because you can just kind of piece together all your, you know, favorite shows and they just kind of... Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, okay. that's one of the, you know, that's one of the kind of... It makes it easy to, to type in what you like and then a bunch of stuff pulls up. Okay. So that's one of the uh, the benefits of using of Stitcher. But that's how you grow a show. You, okay. you put out the links in all those places. And so now that all those seeds are planted, all you guys at home listening can now enjoy the show weekly and tell your friends, of course. And then do all the subscribing and leaving comments for some reason. That somehow, that way when people search podcasts, it helps bump it up in the, in the okay. search engine yeah. results. Leave comments, and, and unless you're going to be a dick. Because then I get all fired up, and then we'll probably argue. And Which sounds very entertaining, so maybe even be yeah, a dick. Yeah, be a dick if you want. It's worth my stress if it gets more people to listen to it. And, uh, you know, I think there's a sick part of me that probably enjoys it a little bit. Which is probably the case with a lot of people these days. That's why social media fights are so... Uh, popular you know like even if you get really annoyed with somebody there's a piece of you that like for some reason it's like an itch you have to scratch like I have to let this person I have to spend (laughs) have you ever spent a a significant amount of time arguing with someone about something on Facebook and then you're like what the fuck am I doing like I could have done so much positive so many positive things in the last 20 minutes and instead I'm crafting the it's, perfect it's last, response I think, for this I feel like kid. it's a last word. Who's got the last word is a big part of it. And then people are just so stuck in their ways now, I feel like, more than ever. They're not willing to budge, especially publicly. Because yeah. if you back down in a public forum like that, now all of a sudden you kind of look like a pussy or you kind of look like you got schooled. Like, yeah. Like, hey, this person t- showed you the right way or what, or whatever. So there's part of that, too. You know, that's why I, lo- I love the delete button and enough people don't use it. Um, I see people make, like, some comment and then they try to, like, rectify that comment in their next comment. And I'm like, why don't you just delete the one that didn't make any goddamn sense instead? <laughs> you, know, you know, I delete shit all the time. And you know what else I hate is how you can see that it says... This has been edited. Well, God forbid I wanted the shit to make as much sense as possible. <laughs> so I changed the word a few times, like, oh, that needs to be there, whatever. My thing is spelling. I, I always am going to spell something wrong or use the wrong course instead of course, or, you know, and then I'll be like, right. oh, I'm going to go back and fix that. And then, lo and behold, edited. Yeah. Now it's been, yeah, now it's been edited, and God forbid you just didn't want shit to not it look like you. used to say before he changed it, he didn't think the Holocaust was real. And now, you know, yeah. it's it just whatever. You I hate not- how the I and the U on a freaking keyboard are so close together because that totally changes the context of what you're saying. Like if you're like, um, I'll go to the store or, or, or that doesn't make sense. But you know what I mean? All of a sudden it becomes a re- from a request to a demand. 
know? Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Yes. Like if you type, if you hit the U, especially these days, because no one write, types out U anymore. So you go to write U, like U, and then instead it says I, and all of a sudden it totally changes the context. I can't think of a good example. Well, let's say uh, you going down to Redondo Beach later, or versus I'm going to Redondo Beach later, which almost sounds. Then it turns it into. Hey, if you're lucky enough to be down at Redondo Beach, where I'm going to be later, yeah. why don't you join me? Versus, cool. yeah, hey. I going down to Redondo Beach, so you should go too, <laughs> you freaking loser. You know, yeah. Um, that's not the best example, but this is off the fly, goddammit. That's what podcasting is all about. Exactly, we didn't write this shit. Uh, I went down to the comedy store last night. Uh, we were just talking about, before that, we were talking about, um, before the, we started airing here, about... Uh, You've had a long day already because you had to drive into Hollywood to do an audition, a commercial audition. Yeah, yeah. And uh, how th- stressful that off, can be. It's, just, it's a little bit stressful. And just sitting in, a, sitting in that car, just sitting there and accepting defeat for two and a half hours. And just knowing that you only totaled the drive, total mileage was, what, 35 miles. 35 miles total. Total. 17 up there, 17 back, and some this and that in between. Yeah. Yeah. I try to never leave between four and seven, but sometimes, especially on those auditions, I I, I don't have a commercial audition agent anymore, rather. I don't have an agent anymore. Uh, They dropped me a couple years ago because I was on the road all the time. But you jump through so many hoops for those people, and then as soon as you can't do one of their, you know... Like, they'll, they'll do something, and it'll be their mistake. This is my commercial agent. It'd be their mistake. Like, I would book out and be like, I can't be here on these dates. And then they would inevitably send me an audition for those dates. And then I'd be like, I can't do that. And they'd be like, we work really hard to get these auditions. I'm like, well, then read your fucking book out, Avails, you know? Well, so I just two weeks ago, the similar thing happened where I knew I was going to be out of town doing gigs in Washington in mm-hmm. in the Midwest, and I you know when those dates are, and a lot of the auditions come, and it'll say callbacks are these dates, and this commercial shoots in between this window. It's usually a four or five day window when it'll actually film, and so I get this audition. I know, hey, I'm this. These are paid gigs that is good money that I'm not turning down. You're giving up guaranteed money for the chance at more money. And so I called the agency and I was like, hey, you know, I'm going to be out of town and uh, when they're filming this and it's not something I can really cancel. They're like, uh, just go anyway. Really? <laughs> yeah, just go anyway. All right. I'm okay. Right. And I went and I and that is playing into the whole like that that whole commercial field is a whole little social network. Like, I, first of all, I walk in, there's a. All gray, fifty-five-year-old black guy, which may have been eighty-five, because you know black don't crack. There's <laughs> everyone there is old blazer, kind of looks like the Doseckes the guy, you know. Uh, just and I walk in and I'm could play maybe. You're like, what the 40s? hell am I doing here? Yes, is exactly what I and of course did not book that. But you walk in and everyone's like, Craig, hey Craig, how's it going? Hey, I, how was Palm Springs? I saw those pictures on Instagram. So all these old bastards know each other. Everyone, oh dude, the worst, <laughs> the worst. The the guy filming the the initial audition. So there's a guy that runs the camera for you listeners at home, and you go in there and you say your name and you act like a guinea pig for whatever you want they want you to do and then the guy's like okay thank you and he has some influence on the then he takes that tape and shows it to the company and they kind of go through who they want but the guy's there most of the time and he has some influence on who gets picked so this guy walks in 
and he sees and we'll say his name was Steve the the casting director guy and this actor goes oh Steve walks up not only a hug a full embrace but a hug <laughs> he had he palmed the back of the, his lower neck oh, wow. like you would hold a baby I don't think I would care for that he <laughs> and the casting <laughs> the casting director was a little guy he was like five foot six five foot seven easy and, and I, I was like I've never <laughs> seen another man hug another man like that um, I don't think he I'm, cradled him I don't think like I'm a baby put, I don't think I'm putting this commercial it's adorable you uh, should have hugged him the same way you should have just acted like you'd known him for years and he said your name was way. Steve come here yeah. come here buddy I like the way you did that like he like you're a gorilla and he's your monkey oh it was it or was, baby gorilla i guess <laughs> there was a moment of yeah so that's and auditions the, by the way commercial suck. Auditions. i mean it's like a, a, a commercial audition uh. is almost like being it's like being assaulted it's like you, you're like you walk in it happens or like thank you and you're like but we i thought <laughs> you know it takes like 20 seconds they look at you they have you read some stupid line and uh and it sucks. It, I never got used I, to it. I always feel like they're setting you up to fail. And I don't know if that's just to weed out the people that are new and green and not used to it. or yeah. Which might be. But, for instance, this one today. The audition breakdown, which describes what they're looking for, says that improv actor. And they, and they reference like a Steve Carell in The Office. And they all, it's always something very right. cliched like that. So they're, they're looking for an improv guy. And then you show up and there's a script. And you're like, well... Why couldn't you have just sent the script last night? Or did you not send the script because it's the complete opposite of what improv guy really right. description would be? Um, so in that sense, it's like, oh, okay, you show up. It's like, here, look at this for 10 minutes. And I just did my own thing. I kind of kept the structure of what they were looking for and then just was – I just improved it. Yeah. And they, they they suck, man. I, I hate commercial. I hated doing them. I haven't done them in years. But – uh and they always booked. They always tried to get me to to uh, audition for these these fat guy roles, and I was like, you know, heavier than I am now. But I was never like as fat as these auditions called for. <laughs> and it was giving me a freaking complex. Like I would walk in, there's all these fat, slubby guys, and like you know, this one commercial agent was like, "You're not heavy, and you're not balding. You got hair like freaking Justin Bieber." I was like, "Well." First of all, don't say that again. I'll kick your ass. <laughs> Man, that's part of the reason I had to cut my hair. I got so sick of those freaking Bieber comments. It's a nice head of hair, man. Yeah, thanks, buddy. I should have let it be. Look, just for your own peace of mind, no, at no point in my life have I been thought to myself, oh, here comes Tim, that fat guy. That's never... <laughs> that's never... <laughs> well, especially wrestling for so many years will damn near give you a freaking eating disorder. Um, so if you get your kid into wrestling, don't, don't let him cut weight. I don't think I don't even know if that's allowed. Any, or you can just grab the towel like they did at that you, UFC thing. You can cut weight now, but now they have. Uh, I think we talked about this on your other podcast. When I when uh, I quit wrestling, like the very next year, two kids in Division One died because <laughs> that back then you had like the entire day to recover, or I think it was maybe a twenty four hour weigh in, so you could kill yourself to make weight, and then. And then put it all back on before the next day and, and have a good recovery. Well, now they've changed it to where it's like an hour or maybe a two-hour way in. So you you have a limited time to recover. And if you're not recovered, you'll get your ass kicked. Um, so you can't cut all that weight, in other words, that you used So people to. are wrestling more true to their actual 
They are natural these weight. days more as uh, more than they used to, and and people have uh, learned a lot more about nutrition. There's a guy named Coleman Scott who uh, tried out. He didn't make this Olympic team, but he got a bronze at the last one. But this most recent one, he didn't make. But he cut all the way down to 125 pounds, and this is a guy who's like probably 5'10". I don't know if he's that tall, but he's. He's not somebody who should weigh 125 pounds at any point in his life unless he's freaking dying. And he uh, got these meals, you know, they, now they have, they've come so far in nutrition that they would send him these meals that were literally like the size of a hockey puck. But it had everything he needed to train and to take care of his family and to not go crazy and all the nutrients and shit that he needed. And when I was wrestling, they, if they had that, I sure as heck didn't know about it. You know, we would make weight and then just eat whatever anything mcdonald's usually you yeah. know just the worst whatever shit the closest possibly. restaurant was yeah you asked the other day like how um how can you be in wrestling shape and then and then not be in the same like tournament sometimes well sometimes you wrestle earlier in the day which uh is just hard on your system it just sucks you go from sleeping to you know one of the hardest things on the planet or if you don't cut your weight right, or if you eat the wrong thing, or if you're really freaking nervous, all those things can factor into uh, hitting a wall, so to speak, in a wrestling match. Um, so yeah, I don't know how we always get talked. <laughs> we always get well, on. Uh, well, because you have experience with weight loss, and you know I think wrestling you, tangents. You were just reiterating the fact that you've never been overweight in your entire life, and I think that came across very well, clearly. I don't know about that. I, I did weigh about 25 pounds more than I did now, and when you're five. I'm five seven in really good shoes, so so. Uh, now was that did that play into the coach T? Was was that coach T inspired any of that weight that weight loss or was that? Uh, did you, oh, was Coach there, Thompson. Was, was, there, was there a coach that like was the ball buster that ran the the runs and blew the whistle? Was that was that just head coach the entire time? Uh, coach Thompson was my college coach, and uh, what do you just want me to tell that story? I'm trying to. <laughs> It's called segue. It's attempted to be seamless. <laughs> well, my college coach, I was going to tell this story the other day. My college coach was, uh, uh, he was a nice man, but if he got pissed off, he punished us by, uh, one time he called us at a party, a bunch of us, and he made us do like... Wait, he caught you at the party? Yeah, like he, well, I, I, he had like spies or something. I don't know. Maybe, he, maybe he even came and looked through the window and saw some of us with beers and that kind of stuff. And uh, um, he, imagine every horrible calisthenic you can imagine, and he made us do all of them for like twenty minutes of the. I mean, just up, down, jump. You know, like jump, jack jumps, and all that. What they call where you jump up real high in the air and all that shit. I mean, just the most brutal. P90X uh, insanity shit you can imagine and just to where I thought I was literally gonna die like we can't just he went faster faster you want to drink beer faster faster I mean we're just like I'm gonna die motherfucker <laughs> um, he at one time this is the story we were all in a uh, in this house that that we lived in there was probably 10 wrestlers in there and we were all smoking weed it was like during the summertime and we're, we're Which smoke, is the best time to smoke weed. We're smoking pot in this big house. And, you know, like three or four doobies going at one time. And this is small town Kansas, right? Yeah. So this is a town of a couple thousand people in a McDonald's? Yeah, I don't know how many what the population is, but it was a pretty small town. Um, 
and probably 10 of us were in there just I mean it was like a Cypress Hill concert in there <laughs> and coach Thompson was across the street and and he started coming across the street well our 177 pounder my friend Lucas Fortney he's this big dude and he's got this joint and his eyes just get bigger than saucers and he stands up and he's like coach D's coming coach D's coming <laughs> <laughs> he sounded like a little girl, but he couldn't get the words out. He's all baked. And our wrestling coach is coming across the street. And it's during the summertime. I mean, if he would have ran us or something, he probably would have, some people probably would have died. Um, but he ended up just leaving leaving these uh, pancake feed coupons in our mailbox and leaving. And I don't even think he rang the doorbell. But we scattered. I mean, it was this big house. And we scattered. People were, it was like a freaking cartoon. People diving into bathtubs and into. <laughs> Behind the shower curtains. Yeah. And, and you know, going. I, I remember running into some bathroom. And my roommate Joel was in there. And he's like, get the fuck out of here. I'm in here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we were oh, so that's scared. Not, dude, that's great. That's like seven-year-old hide-and-go-seek type yeah, stuff. Yeah, dude. Right it was totally like, I mean. I will never forget <laughs> the look on his face. Coach D's coming. Coach D's coming. <laughs> He's a big dude too, Lucas Fortney. That's who I got my dog from, Tulsa. That's why we named her Tulsa because we got her in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where that fucker lives. Now, uh, so how, how long were you there before you went on to K State? Was that just two? So- I wrestled there for two years, and uh, then I was just tired of wrestling and. And decided to quit. And looking back, I wish I would have just, especially now that I still owe on student loans for two and a half years of school, I won't even get into what a freaking scam that is. The interest they charge and the way that the shit that student loan people get away with is mobster shit. I mean, they should. It should be illegal. The shit they're that like, student oh, loan. You forgot this ten cents left on this one bill, so there's a four hundred dollar. Well, when I first graduated, I remember I was like, I'm gonna pay this off aggressively, and I sent them like a thousand dollars. So they just didn't bill me for like a year, and I was on the road starting out in comedy. I wasn't thinking about, oh, where's my student loan statement? I was just like, and didn't think about it. So they just billed it every month for a year, and I'm like, no, motherfuckers, I was trying to pay down the principal on it. And then I so I was young and stupid, so I just didn't pay it for a few years. And then, you know, they hit me with some twenty-five hundred dollar fine. And then I started paying it off again. And I've literally paid like no none of that freaking debt. And after paying thousands of dollars on the print on the interest. Yeah, I, I don't. I've probably paid off the loan. Yeah. I've probably paid off oh, the loan. Definitely. I know I have. Yeah. But I still haven't really made a dent in that son of a bitch. And and I could, I could probably pay it off now in like six months. But I just. There's something in me that won't let me. I'm like, no, you're not giving those bastards that much money. Yeah, just let everything fall apart, and then it'll get it'll go away in the wash, and then you'll you'll have the last laugh. I've heard that you that you don't even really have to pay back your student loans. There's not shit they can do, and blah blah blah. But I'm under the probably false illusion that that money is going to help some kid who can't pay for school. That's probably. Stupid on my part. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's very wrong. <laughs> but <laughs> it's crippling, man. It's crippling yeah, personal. It, like, it's criminal. close people to me that it's debilitating their lives financially because. And the argument is, oh well, you chose to do that and this and that, but um, just the way that they come at you and they'll call people and threaten. Like I've heard some really bad horror stories about it too. But, really, student loans that big a yeah, deal? Like, if it, I know it, they can garnish your wages and shit, but not if you're a comic. It all. Well, yeah, exactly. But it it goes to uh, 
depending on which creditors comp, you know company actually absorbs the debt because yeah. like some of them are shady and have you know unethical practices so like do- knocking on your neighbor's doors and stuff like that yeah um, which any collector can do if they're bad at their you know if they really when I was a kid dude my dad would get so pissed off if we were in a store and I got lost or something if I would page him you know paging Jim Gaither paging Jim Gaither every time he'd come up to the front all pissed off what if there's a bill collector in here (laughs) I'm like no bill collector is at Walmart and gives that much of a shit about you and your you know they don't care you know a freaking bill collector like they're gonna be hey Mr. Gaither I've been looking for you what are they gonna do dad haul you off to debtor's prison you dumb bastard now why did you (laughs) why why did you decide on Kansas State why not Emporia State and Pittsburgh State and listeners that are not from the Kansas City area Tim and I both grew up around there so there's a lot of small state schools around there that people go to Pitt State Emporia Fort Hayes State Pitt State probably would have been a good option for me. Um, I went to K-State because I had some friends there, and uh, I don't know, man. I didn't put much thought into into it other than I didn't want to go to KU. And, uh, and not that I, I've always liked KU basketball, but I just didn't want to go to KU, and it was a little more expensive. And, uh, and it's really, you're still in Kansas City. It's 22 miles from, yeah. from, you know, from downtown or something like that. K-State? No, KU. Oh, okay, yeah. K-State's about two hours. Two right? hours on the nose from where I lived. And uh, I, I had a good time there. I had some buddies that were in fraternities, so I was kind of an I was kind of in a fraternity, but I wasn't. An like unofficial I, member. Like, I could go to their parties and stuff, but there was still kind of that element of, oh, he's not really in our frat. You know, that kind of thing. Like, I had my buddies. Do you remember which fraternity? Uh, they were all SIG Epps. Okay. And there were some great guys in there, but there were also a lot of guys who made me feel like what the fuck are you doing here? You know, like that kind of thing. Even though I had buddies who were kind of higher up, so they kind of had to be nice to me. Um, I still didn't really... K-State was weird for me. It wasn't a great two years of my life. I mean, I had some great times, but I went from, you know, I was always kind of quiet. I mean, I was funny like in school, but I was, you know, kind of quiet or whatever until I got my opportunities to be funny in class or whatever. And I was a good wrestler. So I had those ways to like kind of stand out and meet people and whatever and then when I went to K-State all of a sudden I didn't wrestle and I wasn't in small classes anymore I was in these huge auditoriums so you can't be funny in those situations because people they, the professor doesn't call it on you. It goes from funny to weird yeah. real quick. Yeah, yeah. so uh, all of a sudden I was just like fuck I don't, you know you can go, to, I went to school with people I, I know people that went to K-State that I went to high school with that I never saw one time I never saw him once. And every, like my senior year, I'd be like, hey, you've been going here this whole time? And they'd be like, yeah. Okay. It's well, a big campus cool. and um, it's spread out. It's an agricultural school. So a lot of the um, departments are out in the field and, you know, doing studies or, you know, things, yeah. different things like that. Plus, it's a big engineering school, which, you know, that comes with the stigma of, you know, maybe not being as social as some of yeah. the other uh, degrees. I had some good times there, though. Don't I mean, Aggieville, right? Yeah, I mean, we. The, I went there the first year that we beat Nebraska in, in like 30 years in football. And I remember I had this big, this big Afro wig that I used to wear like on special occasions. And I wore that Afro wig to Af- Aggieville that night. And I remember standing on these tables in this bar, and I was just like, 
and I really wasn't this guy in college that often, but I was standing on these tables and I was just going, let's fucking do this, you know, <laughs> just, <laughs> and yeah, life. and people were just like, yeah, you know, <laughs> I have a moment, you yeah, know? man, as I just got, I just got this Afro wig on, and, and plus and, you beat Nebraska, Nebraska was a powerhouse program you know up until 10 years ago so that's a that's a big achievement it and was state was horrible i mean the worst football college football team in the 80s like that's statistic yeah they, they only won like six games in the entire yeah they decade. were great that year that was the year that michael vick was or mike well, michael vick um bishop? My, michael bishop was so good my friend brian almost got into a fight with michael bishop and uh it's been so long since i've done my damn podcast i don't remember if i've told this story but you're gonna have to hear it again um, or for the first time. My friend Brian Hunt had this ridiculously hot girlfriend in college, and Michael Bishop was always flirting with her. And I guess they had broken up or something. Anyway, we were walking home one night, and Michael Bishop drove by in this car with all these dudes, and we didn't know it was them, but they almost hit us, so my friend Brian smacked the back of the car. And they pull up beside us in front of our house and get out, and there's like four of them. And three of them are like these little dudes, and then gets... Bishop gets out, and I'm like... Michael Bishop played as a backup quarterback for in the two, NFL. two years, three years in the yeah. NFL. Yeah. And was a kick-ass college player. Yeah. And he gets out, and my friend Brian's over six foot and 200 pounds, so he's a big guy. Um, but I'm thinking, well, I always remember what my friend Willie Burns said in high school my freshman year. He goes, you don't let your friend get beat up, man. I don't care if it is one-on-one. And I've never forgotten that. So I was like, well, I got to stick with my buddy. Whatever happens here. So I'm getting ready to fight. Michael Bishop and three dudes with my friend and my friend Brian just starts walking back and forth and clapping as loud as he can. You met Brian. He was at the wedding. Um, Just clapping. Come on, Bishop. Let's do this. Fucking let's do it. Come on. I'll kick your ass, motherfucker. You know, just being as loud as he can and and Bishop, you can just see the wheels turning like I'm getting ready to go into the NFL. I don't need this shit. And he's this, making a huge This scene. dude is not little. Um, you know, anything could happen here. So they're just like, let's get in the car. And, he, and they all leave. And I'm like, wow. So I'm like, Brian, I admire that. But what the hell were you, <laughs> what were you thinking? And he goes, man, I was just trying to make enough noise that somebody would call the cops. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's pretty dang, you know. Uh, genius of the guy. That's uh, very similar to the, uh, it's like the urban legend DUI, get out of the DUI story where you have the passenger act just belligerent and crazy when right. the cop comes over and you're just like, I'm just trying to get this guy home. And you're like, okay, get out of here. That's not a bad idea. I've heard that one's worked allegedly before. Don't, and the point of that story is don't drive and drink. Right. Don't drive and drink. My, my buddy, my buddy, uh, Brett, he's, he's ballsy. He has never gotten a DUI and he, uh, He'll just tell the cops. They'll they'll be like, "How many beers have you had?" And he'll go five, and then they they're kind of taken aback, like, "Wow, this guy's being honest about having five beers." Really, he's had fourteen, but you know, because most people are like, "Oh, I've had two. and cops are like, "Really, you've had two? You stopped at two, huh? Yeah, you cut it so, off. But but Brett's always just like, "I've had five. you know, and they just kind of look at him like, "Fuck, I guess he, there's no way he's lying. No dumbass would pull out five. <laughs> 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 Couldn't finish the six pack, sir. I've seen him Jedi mind, and he's got some. There's a way to blow, by the way, um, that you can. I know that I've blown into breathalyzers before that have come up positive. That I'm like, there's no way. 
There's some kind of yeah, like I've put my tongue on it, and I'm, I'm sure if any cops are just like bullshit. Well, <laughs> I never got one, and trust me, I deserved thousands. Okay, I'm gonna stop you here because I've also, at some point, and I've heard this story from several many people. You know, okay. I didn't get a DUI, didn't get a DUI, but no one ever takes in, into consideration the cop. Maybe the cop is like. I don't want to ruin this guy's life right oh, now. Oh yeah, you know, and but no one ever brings that point up. So I just wanted to get that out there, cops. Sometimes you do you do the right thing, and you're like, it is three beers or whatever. And I tell or you, you know, what, the guy lives a mile away. I tell you what, being polite and saying yes sir and no sir, and kind of kissing their ass, but not to the point of just just trying to be like a normal dude, like you know. It goes a long freaking way. I've been with people who are smart asses to cops, and I'm like, what are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? They're people. Talk to them like you would want to be talked to. <laughs> At least start off that way. And if they're being a dick, okay, play their game too. Like, volley back and forth if the cop's being a dick, which can happen. But, yeah, just don't lead in with asshole Yeah, that's where I wrote that joke about they, they hate when you lie to them. I mean, they really do. And the cop was like, I, was, I, I got pulled over on the way to Columbia or St. Louis, Missouri, and uh, the cop was like, you lied to me. And I was like, like his voice broke a little. I was like, are you going to cry, dude? Like, <laughs> you okay, buddy? I didn't mean to lie to you. I genuinely kind of felt bad. Like, yeah, I lied to you. I know we've known each other for a full minute now, but, you know, I thought that was kind of the deal. You fucking. It was actually Don Knotts himself that had pulled you over. Yeah. Yeah. What's... So what. As far as like the partying and everything at K-State, because uh, Aggieville is in downtown Manhattan. Manhattan, Kansas is the Little Apple, and mm-hmm. you'll find that out driving as you get near it, because there's billboards everywhere. And, uh, but Aggieville is notorious for, like, <laughs> there's 10, 20 bars all stacked up, and it's yeah, just raging just all on the time. Just in a three-block three radius, and uh, I used to just get wasted in that place and just stumble from bar to bar, just like, you know, just going to see who I knew or where. God, I used to... I, I remember... Um, Which is what you had to do because there weren't cell phones. I remember pissing in a bar, like in a bar, like standing <laughs> right next to the bar and like talking to the bartender while I was pissing because it was so crowded. I mean, <laughs> the shit you do when you're drunk and you're like... I, for me personally, when I'm drinking or something, I think I'm invisible. Like, I just do shit. Speaking of Columbia, Missouri, I got into a... Uh, I got into a fist fight with a, with a college kid um, two days after I got out of jail. <laughs> I went to jail. This is a, probably a story for another podcast, but I... We'll, we'll, we'll start it now, then. I went to jail for uh, 50 days in a row, and uh, I got out on a Tuesday, and I did Deja Vu Comedy Club on Thursday, and on Saturday... I had I was dating this girl and she came down and the drinks were free there and we got wasted and uh, you know like doing shots and all that and I'm like 20 I don't know how late 20s and we got hammered and we ordered this we had ordered a cab to come get us and uh, we went out there to get the cab and these guys jumped in the cab that we thought was ours and she goes they took our cab and that's all I needed to hear drunk. I'm like, hey, that's our cab. So we start jawing back and forth. And I'm I'm pointing at the guy in front and, you know, telling him what I think of him, <laughs> whatever. And the kid in the back, big old kid, like, I don't know, taller than you, big dude, 
gets out. Nice and, Missouri boy. Yeah, and tackles me. And there's like this, there's like this concrete partition right behind me that goes up to about your knee level. Oh. So I just he just jacked me. I just fell right over mm. like a ton of bricks. And uh, but then I was so drunk, and. Uh, I started wrestling this guy. I was gonna say, man, that's, I don't really think you're the last person that. Well, that's what I, you know, I was. I, only all I really remember about the, the whole fight was like, I was wrestling him on concrete, just like I would in a mat on a mat somewhere. I was like posting on my head, um, and, and like using my face. I didn't give a shit. I was just wrestling like you would in a wrestling match. And I finally got this huge kid down in a headlock. And by the way, you're never too fat or old to headlock someone. So that is always going to be my defense. Um, anyway, I headlocked this kid. And I was like, I'd punch him in the face. And then I'd like whisper in his ear. I was like, I was a state champion. He picked the wrong fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> he picked the wrong guy to tackle. Yeah, I was like talking shit to him. And then, and then I'd punch him in the face. And then our cab came. And then there was like a cop coming. And... Uh, so I jump up, we get in the cab and drive off. And, at this uh, point, are you like, wait, oh, wait, that, that's our cab. Is it, do you guys at least have that awkward moment where the other cab pulls up? And well, like- I think we, we finally got detangled, me and this kid, and, and his friend like gets him in the cab, and they drive off, and no sooner did they pull away that another cab pulled up. I mean, it was so, like, stupid. Like, we just... And I, I mean, my was I had blood coming from my head, and I woke up the next morning. I've never been so sore in my life, um, but it's a pretty good story. I mean, you, you got attacked, <laughs> though. I mean, you were just defending yourself. Yeah, I mean, at that point, I was. But you may I, have been poking the bear, but you yeah, know. you poke a bear, you're gonna get. But I was talking to the guy in the front, <laughs> and I didn't <laughs> see that guy from the back coming at all, and uh, I had no regard for my own life at that point did you have the okay as the comic in me wants to know did you have that gig booked before you went to jail or did you book it from jail you know i think i did book it in jail my mom actually got me a couple of gigs when i was in jail she got me a couple of headline dates i told her i was like call this person at this time i don't remember what the heck i told her but she did it she pulled it off and i was like (laughs) and tell i told her exactly what to say i was like don't deviate from what i'm telling you stick to the script yeah and she got me, she was like, TM, I got you booked at the Deja Vu Comedy Club. Matt was real concerned about you. I'm like, awesome, thank you. <laughs> and one, one gig I called, um, I was a trustee at one of the, in Johnson County, they farm you out. They send you to all these different jails. So I think I went to like three or four different jails. And at one of them, I called a club in Detroit. And they're like, I almost didn't answer because it, it says unavailable on the thing or <laughs> whatever it said, restricted. The call block, yeah. Yeah. Fortunately, it didn't say, like, you know, correctional center or some shit. <laughs> but the guy answered, and I, you know, I got a, I got a date out of him, and there wasn't a lot of small talk involved. And, and uh, yeah. But, you know, the worst thing about jail, jail and prison are two completely different things. I was in jail. And in a lot of ways, jail is worse than prison because it's so freaking boring. Like, in jail, in prison, you have, you know, yard time and you have a job and all this other stuff. I learned so much shit from being in jail about prison because you're in there with all these people who are in, who have been to prison, which is one of the hardest things about being in jail is that you're surrounded by dumbasses. A lot of ignorance in jail. And uh, it was just... So it was boring, and you're surrounded by dumbasses, but you also see why so many people keep going back to prison, because, frankly, most prisons 
aren't that hard. It's not that big a deal. You're in a city you can't leave and you can't get any pussy. And I got news for you. Those guys weren't getting a lot of pudding before they got put in jail. <laughs> so they don't really give a shit, you know? And they know what's going on. They know the routine. They, they've got their job. They've got a place to sleep every night. They've got their friends. You know, it ain't that big a deal. Most of them get colored. You can have a colored TV in prison. You can have crock pots. Can you imagine? It's Sunday. We're going to watch football and make a roast. If you got a family that cares about you and will send you enough money to have on your books, prison's not that tough in most prisons. 85% of them or whatever stat you want to throw out there. And then you go out and do some high, some like highway work and you know, yeah. that sort of stuff. Like a and then when you do get, Exactly. And then when you do get out of prison, you're like, well, I'm just going to go commit crime until they find my ass and throw me back in here with my buddies. And then it's like, well, then it's like a game. You know, it's Shawshank Redemption effect yeah, right there, institutionalized. Yeah, and that, but like you said, the education. I mean, it was a very, is it? It's that blatant, right? You're like, okay, these people aren't educated, and that probably led to why they're here. The system is so flawed. It's set up for poor, ignorant people, black or white or green or it doesn't matter what ethnicity you are. If you don't have money, you are fucked. If you're in this system and you're poor and ignorant, it don't matter what color you are. It's about whether you got any money and whether you got a family that has money because it's all about a lawyer. And if you get a lawyer, it's not because he was the best damn lawyer that he's Matlock. It's because he knows it's a good old boy system. He knows the judges. He yep. knows the yep. prosecutor. They, they, what you're paying for is for him to go have a meeting with the, with the freaking prosecutor. If he, you know, you're paying me this much because we're buddies. Basically, the guy who's gonna screw up your life. If I wouldn't have had a lawyer and all that other shit, I would have I would have gone to jail for a year for breaking a Denny's window when I was drunk and then flunking a drug test for smoking pot. That's why I went to jail for 50 days. I was in there with a guy who did the same amount of time as me. He played for the Minnesota Twins at one point in his career, and he tried he choked out his wife and tried to set her on fire. And he got almost the exact same uh, as punishment a, as, as a me. Drunken accidental Denny's window yeah. break slash positive. Drug it, it was no accident, test. but yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but that guy got the same. I think he got two years of probation. I got like a year and a half, so he got like six months more probation for trying to set his ex set his wife on fire. She like woke up and foiled his plan. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> It's a, once you got out, then you, you still had the year and a half probation. No, no, th that was kind of the the deal. My lawyer, who cost me a ton of money to make a have a meeting, a lunch date, uh, he got it where he was like, "Okay, you can go back on on probation for a year, but the judge isn't going to be let you be anywhere that serves alcohol." So, in other words, I was going to have to quit doing comedy for a year, or you can do. 60 days in jail, and I'd already, I'd already done 10 from when it first happened. From the initial intent. Yeah, so he was like, he was like, or you can do that 50 days, and it's over. No more probation, none of that crap. And uh, But the system, again, is set up to fail. They, they put all these hard um, stipulations on people, and... It's set up that way, and if you don't have money, and if if you're if you don't have if you're not educated, they will screw up your life. And a lot of the time, you know, in the area, this particular county, there's not a ton of crime. Maybe in the entire county of a half a million people, maybe there's ten murders the whole mm -hmm. year or something. You know, nothing crazy. So they really do just go after like the nickel and diming, if you will. Yeah. Um, an example would be, I got huge business. 
um, a what was it? So say if you got a DUI or an MIP or a minor in possession in, right. in Johnson County, that was like a new two hundred dollar fine. I knew kids that got years of probation for that stuff. Really, drinking underage, drinking tickets, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I was at Kauffman Stadium when I was twenty. I took a beer, drink of a beer. My friend had this guy came down from like some in street clothes and carded me mm-hmm. and gave me a ticket for underage drinking. Right, <clears throat> so I'm like, dude, I'm gonna be on probation. I'm like all this crap. So I go down to this was in Jackson County, which mm-hmm. is like Kansas City, you know, the bigger they got they got real crime going on there. Yeah. I go to the courthouse and the and the court clerk goes, All right, who's here for uh, MIPs and that raise your hand? He's like, Okay, all you guys just go up into this room and so we all went up there and this guy comes out, he goes, Okay, you guys can either pay a hundred and fifty dollar fine or do eight hours of community service. I was like, that's it? Eight hours of community service. Yeah, okay. It went straight to the Goodwill, knocked that out in two days. The complete opposite of having to call in every week, mm-hmm. see if your color comes up, drive in, take random drug tests, which all cost $35 every time you go in. Yeah. And all the time and ruining of plans and you can't schedule stuff because you don't know when they're calling. And I took one of those one time, those, random, those drug tests, and I had to pee so bad it hurt. But the guy's staring at you, you know? He's a big dude staring at you. I mean, literally staring at your business while you're trying to take a leak. And uh, uh, I couldn't go. I mean, it hurt I had to go so bad. And I still couldn't do it. And so I had to pay another 35 bucks, And then by that point, I was about to bust. So it did work. So it cost me $70 or whatever the hell it was. I think it may have been like 19 bucks a piece. Anyway, it was bullshit. So I had to pay 40 bucks just to piss in a freaking cup and yeah i shouldn't have passed the drug test or i shouldn't have flunked the drug test but fuck off i was young and uh it shouldn't have been that big a deal i didn't break a window because i was stoned (laughs) if i was stoned i wouldn't have broken that window i was pissed drunk and i was going through a breakup and i got kicked out and i was just pissed off (laughs) i hit it with the side of my my fist three times and on the third time it was the charm i did it like boom waited a minute boom and then I was walking to the car and I hit it one more time. Boom. And it just, mm. and I, I, w- I didn't even run to the car. I was like sauntering like, fuck you. And then these five dudes came out of Denny's and tackled me. And I hit the, I hit the concrete and it was all icy. It was in the middle of winter in Kansas city. And I hit the ice. And the last conscious thought I had was, this is going to be bad. <laughs> And I made them work for it, but they drugged me into that restaurant and, like, held me there until the cops came. And uh, uh, I guess when the cops came, my my friends that were there were like, it was amazing. You were all fighting these guys, and the cops came, and all of a sudden you were like Eddie Haskell. You were just like, (laughs) hello, officers. How are you? I don't know what's going on. These guys just tackled me. And And then I woke up in jail and uh, with no recollection except a vague glass breaking. You know, other than that, I was like, what am I doing in jail? Like, I'm the one who got jumped. And I just started, I, I finally, and my, my knee, I got 16 stitches in my knee from them dragging me across the parking lot. My knee looked like a volleyball. And I was screaming, somebody help me, blah, blah, blah. I don't know why I'm in here and all this crap. And uh, the guys next door the next day, they were like, dude, you are cracking us up. <laughs> you were like, you were like, um, 
nobody read me my rights. And some cop goes, you got the right to remain silent. And I was like, oh, you're funny. You need to come down to open mic night. We need funny fuckers like you. And just saying all this kind of crap. And finally they came in. And I remember them coming in like they were going to kick my ass. Like we are tired of you. And they came in, and I think they saw that my knee was bigger than my head, and they were like, oh, maybe this guy's screaming for a reason. And they took me out, and I'll never forget, she took, they took me out, and it was this nurse, she interviewed me, and she was like explaining why they couldn't give me anything for the pain and all that, and then she gave me a Band-Aid. I mean, my knee would look like a melon, dude. It had all these stitches. It looked like yeah, Frankenstein. Plus, it's like half frozen ice and all those like big chunks of salt that uh, they're was, using to salt it. It was, it was bad, and I... I I, why did I tell this story? Maybe I was telling my girl the other day. But uh, I remember them being like, do you want um, Novocaine or whatever for these stitches? And I was like, is that extra? And they were like, yes. And I'm like, the no. I was like being all tough guy and shit because I was wasted like a dumbass. <laughs> Screaming through that. Like, yes, I mean. I remember just holding my leg the whole time and just thinking maybe I should have gotten that shit. Oh, man, that sounds so painful. Yeah, I was pretty liquored up, though. So, and so I mean, it's a really... It, drunk, blacked out Tim doesn't know how to talk to cops. Clearly, you, you, you give him a little lip, you kind of violate your own golden rule of just be nice to cops. No, I was nice to him. But then eventually, oh that, oh yeah, yeah. When I woke up out of my blackout, no, I was not. And, <laughs> and I was also in a in a cell by myself. It's not like it's not oh. like I could see them. It's not like they were in front of me, and I'm like, fuck you. I was laying there by myself in the dark, and I was genuinely very little recollection of what happened i just knew that i got jumped in a parking lot and there was glass broken and that's all i really remembered so in my mind i was like why am i in this box i got jumped I got attacked. yeah i got attacked Something what the hell am i glass. doing in here we'll yeah that out later that whole thing man uh i bet it cost me with medical bills and the window and the lost work and i bet it cost me ten fifteen thousand dollars you know, the dumb shit you just do. Just one second. Yeah, of just... And then my, my when the last time I worked at Stanford's, we um, we had dinner down there, breakfast or something at that Denny's, and I didn't go in there for years. I think I'm still technically banned, but... Uh, <laughs> but I went, I went there, and I saw how short a distance it was from where I broke the window to the car that was waiting for me. I was like, that was like... 25 yards maybe 20 yards it was so close and i st- and instead of even just a light jog i was like fuck you guys i'm not running <laughs> you could have just got your giddy up on you yeah my friends are in the car and the thing about that being at that denny's too was uh the week before a friend of mine had like a, a bachelor party or a birthday party or something and we went to nudie bars and you know just had some of the one of the best nights of my life and I was with like 12 big ex-football players and uh, we went into Denny's and we had we had this great time at least that night and in our eyes if I saw someone acting like that now I'd be like fucking idiots but we had one of the best nights of our life just in that Denny's fucking around and we I'm sure we tipped the hell out of the waitresses but they deserved it so I went the next week I had just broken up with this girl and and I didn't drink all weekend. And then Sunday, for some reason, it was me and these two other comics. And, uh, and, and we got wasted. I mean, they were like in charge of the comedy club there at 106th and Metcalf. So we just got liquored up. 
and went down to this Denny's. And in my mind, I'm cr- I'm going to create this, you know, scene from the last week where we were just it was hilarious and you know it's going to be awesome. Yeah. And- so I go in there trying to recreate that. Well, now it's like a Sunday night. And I'm not with 12 big football players that no one's going to fuck with. I'm with two skinny little comics. And uh, I am start lipping off, and that's what it led to. And uh, I'm not proud of it, but this shit happened. So. Yeah, it's that you learn from it, though. Yeah, and it was a lot of pain and a lot of money and a lot of bullshit. And the listeners are learning from it also. Yeah, Just and think- I learned about prison and... I wrote that funny. I think that's. I think that could be a funny joke about the whole. Uh, it's like a city you can't leave, and you're not getting any pudding. But those guys weren't getting. They weren't pulling more tail than a special needs kid at a petting zoo, anyway. See, that's where that joke can go. <laughs> yeah, there. You- <laughs> those guys weren't pulling more tail than a special needs kid at a petting zoo, anyway. See, that's how jokes are written, everybody. You. Uh, how long we've been we've been going, Johnny? We're at uh, right around forty eight, forty nine. Oh, really? Gosh, it's been fast. Forty six, something like that. Well, do you want to? That's wanna, what I'm saying. Do you want to? Uh, um, do you want to wrap it up with links and whatever? Or yeah, what? Uh, what are you thinking? What do you want to pull up? Um, well, I meant like I, I I don't know from a marketing standpoint how what we're supposed to tell people. To, oh, you, to do. I, I mean, really, I just say, I mean, you guys at home, the website, Tim's website, Tim Gaither Comedy. Uh, dot com that's got all the dates and everything else and the links and the links oh for the for the show yes of course that too um hey facebook and twitter um you know just at tim gaither but but it's on stitcher and yeah, itunes go, and google play yeah, and all that crap now type in tim gaither um into your google search engine stitcher um itunes all that stuff and the show should pop up and then just hit subscribe download and then of course we ask you to you know maybe share the show to one or two people and since we're just starting to it it's nice to you know build a nice solid firm yeah round one listeners which will be you guys right now that are listening and yeah. so someday you guys can be like i've been there since the beginning and we'll send you a freaking t-shirt or something yeah or you, you tell us that at, after a show somewhere in georgia or texas or something or get a hold of us ahead of time and if i can if i got a comp list i will uh i'll hook you up i'll put you on it especially if you're listening to the podcast you know um, but yeah, that's that's a big, and, and the, I drank for years after, after that. Um, do you, do you want to try to make it like a full hour? Yeah, I don't okay. see why not. I'm have, I'm more than fine. I know the listeners at home are enjoying it. If they've already if they're at, if they're at the 49th minute, then you, they're good for another 15, 20 minutes. You know what I mean? Like they're yeah. I uh, it's funny that you know I I could have like that could have been like a life changing thing for me and you know i've been sober completely for 50 days and all that stuff and and i should have probably stopped then but uh i I got out of jail and i remember going home that morning and almost out of spite like making a drink and like rolling a doobie (laughs) like i'm just gonna get wasted middle finger to the man yeah you know and in, in reality it just was another four years before i finally got tired of that shit and that's the thing about if if anybody's listening and they're thinking about drinking or something you, you can't do it until you're ready um and I still don't believe I'm an alcoholic. I just am not willing to go back to drinking to try and find out. Like, oh, shit, it turns out I, I am. <laughs> now my life's right. fucking I over. Right. I was right. Um, so there's like different degrees of being a- an alcoholic. Or if it could be just that three out of every ten times you drink, you just look really freaking stupid. 
or you know even if it's one out of ten really um depending even if on how one out of ten yeah i guess <laughs> i'm all trying to justify it i was only doing it three out of ten 30 percent of the time I'm, I'm only three times i would write an email that could ruin my career or maybe tell someone to fuck off or I don't see know. i'm lucky because i the alcoholic bug never really stung me there was a couple summers um but it was all because of the, the comedy store. And I lived yeah. two blocks down the street. I would walk to and from work. No DUIs ever came into play. You know, I never got, I never had to drive. Um, and, you know, it's the comedy store. You work in late nights, a couple tequilas here and there. And then that turned into a couple more. Um, I used to get pretty tore up at the comedy store. It's, it's really easy to do. I always wanted to run into Robin Williams on one of his drinking vendors. Because I know that a, a few guys were able to, like uh, Rick... Yeah, um, Kansas City's own Rick Ingram. Rick Ingram, he, Rick Ingram drank with him. Yeah, seventh birthday, which I think is actually, I think his birthday is like the twenty fourth. It would actually, this is the ten year, I think, or the ninth or tenth year anniversary of when this would have been. Like, so Robin Williams came into the comedy store and he had just gotten done. I believe the story goes filming RV in Alaska, and he had tripped on some sobriety up there a little bit because the movie was so bad, and he was just miserable filming it yeah so he comes to down to la pops into the comedy store for the first time in forever i mean i had been, been up there a few like a, at least a year or two at that point and you know he we had, should have him on sometime and tell him to tell that story what a kick-ass story well there's a there's a picture that was it went up to my it was on myspace and it's from the old pixelated cell phones from 10 years ago and it's a picture of rick Hat backwards hat tequila robin williams tequila and i think there's somebody else maybe in the picture but the look on robin williams face is mm, there's no turning back there's, right I, i'm i'm into this now yeah and, uh oddly enough two three years ago i was working there at that working the door at the time he came back part of his uh, aa mm -hmm. and he got up on stage in shorts Birkenstocks, and he had one of those sleeveless fleece, you know, I'm going hiking jacket shirt, just weekend type clothes, got on stage and then just immediately goes in. I came back here to humble myself. Everyone's going nuts. He's like, look, you know, like I'm a normal person. I came back here. This is when I, you know, I had a lapse here and, you know, I just came out to just let you guys know that I'm just like you and it was a total it was the most vulnerable i guarantee you he's ever been on stage yeah minus maybe his first time ever going up or something like wow. that um and it happened at 1 a.m there's maybe 30 people sitting there and um you know we got into his little impressions and did his voices and you know kind of right definitely got some laughs but the whole thing was geared towards him just fighting his demons and you know getting back to that place that he had been a couple yeah. years before and you know clearly never got back there yeah but um, and we've all got them we've all got our freaking demons um but yeah i did a lot of dumb shit after i broke that window and it just it just got to the point where i had to whatever people have told me since i was a kid that they thought i looked like robin williams people come up to me almost once a week and tell me that and uh i'm like yeah i just hope i don't end up like him <laughs> yeah yeah I, I, now that you said it i'm like yeah maybe a little bit maybe a little yeah, bit yeah especially like after i shave or certain faces i'll make or something but ever since i was a kid people have told me that so my sister when he died i think she was all like you know because i've always reminded her of him for some reason and so she was all like my sister's very uh um dramatic i love you i don't know how else to say it Lori but you are um <laughs> so but i do love you and uh hey man i don't know I, I almost want to wrap it up around an hour 
just because. Okay. Um, I mean, look, that's that's the beauty of these things is that they can be whatever. We're at fifty five right now, and listeners too. Also, we are since the show got relaunched. This is episode two, and so or AK episode seven. Right. Um, but if you have any ideas or if you questions or anything, just send um, you know on Twitter tag Tim with anything you'd want to know or Facebook or just reach out. Yeah. Segment ideas. Um, I'm going to encourage you to go live on Facebook for, okay. for a few minutes at some point, maybe next week, and just ask I'll some make, questions I'll, I'll and stuff like that. I'll make myself do it. Um, but again, guys, go to TimGaitherComedy.com. Tim Gaither Comedy is going to be in Kansas City next week at Stanford and Sons. Um, it was was it Syracuse? You're going up to I'm Buff? going to Syracuse Funny Bone at the end of May, and I'm getting ready. To, I'll be in Kansas City the 20th through the 22nd of April. And uh, we've got a lot of drinking stories and a lot of a lot of stories in general. So that that's the only reason I'm I'm wrapping it up around an hour is because I know I'll get into something and before I know it, it'll be another half an hour. And uh, I don't know. Which but I'm, I'm having fun, man. I hope yeah. you are too. No, no, I am. I am. And again, I'm I, you know I'm the advocate for that for the one and a half hour show because what the, the way I look at it, like I'm having a good time. This really good content i mean i've known you for a long time and some of those stories i've never even heard and we sat in cars yeah. for hours together you know? well let us know that's another thing let us know what you guys think if uh if you have time for an hour or if you want a half an hour or just, oh, yeah, we yeah, can yeah. ramble our freaking face if you want us to ramble our faces off for days um we can do that too maybe we'll uh maybe we'll eat some mushrooms someday and just see what happens well, I mean, just <laughs> you're like I happen to have some right here. If you want right to go, you want to go. We got, you know. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm like, well, this that's afternoon that's just tobacco. Took a turn. Um, but no, yeah, guys, l- just let us know. And really, just uh, the key, you know, the first couple episodes is going to be on our shoulders, and that's just putting this out weekly. And so far, we're two for two. And I yeah. think next week I'm going to be in town. That. Yeah, so I'll be in town Monday and Tuesday next week, so we can definitely get that, get one out um, on time then too. So, but uh, yeah, guys, thanks for listening and help spreading the word. Um, yeah, please do spread the word and uh, and and keep that positive feedback coming because people emailed me and reached out to me and texted me and all that stuff and and told us they enjoyed it and uh, it, it's easy to say you know what fuck this if <laughs> if you don't have that so. Uh, you know, keep sending that stuff if you're enjoying it. We've got lots of stories. So God bless all of you. Take care.